much just for... Boom! <laughs> Hi, you guys! So, I'm Bob. It's so good to see you. I, I'm really glad that we get this time uh, together to talk about stuff that matters and, and then what we're going to do about it. Not just that we would agree with Jesus, but we would actually do stuff. I live in San Diego with Sweet Maria Goff. We have three kids that we made, which is awfully fun. Uh, and then they may, married three people, and they made three people. So I'm now the pastor of a church of 11. Uh, when we don't live in San Diego, about three or four months out of the year, we live up at the end of an inlet uh, in Canada. Uh, we've been going up there for the last 28 years. Uh, we're our nearest neighbors 10,000 square miles away. You know that uh, TV series, Alone? They're 30 miles closer to people. I pass alone to get to my house. So <laughs> we make our electricity off a glacier. We, we raise our own food. We get salmon in the rivers. It's like being hippies without the tie-dye t-shirts. Um, but it's, it's given me this place, this reminder uh, that, that we have been given what we need to lead beautiful Godly lives. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a Bible that I use, and it's called the J.B. Phillips Bible for schools. There was a youth pastor, his name is J.B. Phillips, and in World War II, uh, the only Bible in the UK that was authorized was the King James. And none of the students in his youth group got it, like all the these and thous were faking him out. So he sat in a bunker during the bombing raids, and he wrote the first what's called the Living Bible. Is that awesome? Then they put him in all of the schools. And so this idea of the, that Paul says in 2 Peter that he's given us everything that we need it isn't just like, you know, uh, vegetables and salmon or electricity. He's given us each other. But here's the crazy thing. Have you noticed some people are really weird? Like, you're among them. Like, you're not as lovely as you think you are. Some of you are just nuts, which is great. But we get distracted by all the crazy. Oh, I love that there's someone signing for, like, hearing impaired people. I'm so delighted she's got a busy job this morning because I'm all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I what I want to do is be less distracted by what's going on around us and focus a little bit on what's going on within us. And that's actually kind of hard. Um, Sweet Maria doesn't know I'm in Missouri right now. Uh, we never talk about where I am. Is that crazy? So she just drops me off at the airport because when we talk about where I am, it makes us feel far apart because some of the time I'm in Afghanistan or Mogadishu, I'm like all over the place. It's like being in the witness protection program. I didn't even do anything wrong. What we do instead is we talk about how I am. So on Etsy, I bought a mood ring. Uh, I wear this thing all the time. And when I called Sweet Maria this morning, she said, how are you? What color is your ring? Not where are you. Where are you is easy. That's geography. How are you is a little bit harder. So ladies, if you're like dating somebody, uh, get this for the guy you're dating. Say, do you want to wear a mood ring? And if he tells you I'm not into my feelings, just tell him I'm not into you. <laughs> I think what we need to do is have a new definition of what love is, right? When my daughter was the size of a trout, uh, I told her, you know, you're going to grow up and boys will want to invite you to the prom. When they ask you out, I want you to ask them, 
what's your definition of love? And if they, if they well, they're guys, so they won't know. So send them home. <laughs> I say, when you figure out what love is, tell me what you think it is, and I'll tell you if I'll go to the prom with you. If they come back and they say it's like butterflies, you can get that from bad pizza. <laughs> love is sacrifice and commitment. Say it with me. Love is sacrifice and commitment. Let's say it again. Let them hear you outside. Love is sacrifice and commitment. And what happens is we get distracted about love is because we're just always on the move. Two blocks away from our house, there's this street. It's called Activity Road. <laughs> and sweet Maria stopped the car. She's like, bub, you live there. I mean, I make coffee nervous. I'm like, ah! I'm all over the place. We had a bit of an intervention where I work and we took uh, the Love Does uh, interns took yarn and they stretched it across a map of the uh, U.S. of where four months of my life took me, and this is what it looked like. Now, is that a dude with an issue? Yeah, my issues have issues. And so what I, I did is I pulled into the driveway after going all this stuff, and it was all for good reasons, but like all these places, and this woman, sweet Maria, who's been loving me for 35 years, and I've been loving her for 38. Um, she <laughs> took a little while to warm up to. Um, uh, this is what was in the front window. Help wanted. She wasn't saying she needed help. She's like, buddy, you're missing it. And so some of us, even in our devotion to Christ, we get this idea that we think we need to be just all this activity for for baby Jesus, and he just doesn't need it. Read Revelations. He's out of the crib. What he wants is your hearts. He just wants you right where you are. But I get it. I mean, it can get complicated. It gets distracting. I, uh, I bought this uh, camp. It used to be a Young Life camp, and we bought it right before COVID. Bad timing. And then we, uh, we got this thing and fixed it up, and, um, uh, and it was time to get a pickup truck, because we've got like horses and cattle, and a Prius just isn't going to do the job. And so, <laughs> so I went to the Ford dealer. I said, I saw this white pickup truck. I'm like, I'll take it. It didn't even have carpet. Uh, and then I went to the pay window and found out how much it cost. I'm like, oh, heck no. So I got this pickup truck with 150,000 miles on it and a couple dents on Craigslist. And I was feeling kind of manly. I can't lie. Because I just, I got the carbon footprint of Delaware now. And uh, and I get in the truck and I'm driving home. I'd always wanted a truck and it smelled like soap. I was like, ooh, like beef jerky maybe, but not soap. Uh, so I rolled down the windows. I said, I'm just going to blow it out. And I got home. I went inside. And uh, the next morning, I, I got into the car. I was supposed to go up to Los Angeles and marry two people. Actually, let me restate that. I was officiating. You can't marry two people. That's a felony. So <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got in the car and uh, I, it smelled like soap again. I'm like, no, I was so distracted. So I thought I'm going to cook it out. So I turned the heater all the way, just pegged it. Three hours up, three hours back, pitted out my suit, but the smell was gone. I'm like, yes. Uh, I went inside the next morning. <laughs> I walked out to my truck. I opened the door and it smells like 
soap. I'm like, no, I don't even remember driving to the upholstery store. But I was so distracted. I told the person, just put a new leather interior in. You guys, I spent more on the interior than I spent on the truck. But I was just so distracted. I wanted it to end. Four days later, I picked up my truck. I opened the door. It smells like dead cow and soap. I'm like, no. And I, I'm driving, like pounding the steering wheel as I'm driving down the road. And I reached up to get my sunglasses. <laughs> 25 cent air freshener. You guys, I spent $4,000 fixing a 25 cent problem. And some of us are getting distracted away from Jesus because we're trying to fix these, these problems and not just going with a simple thing that's in front of us. I just need to know that love is sacrifice and commitment and I need to just move in that direction. Like faith isn't easy. It'll kill you from everything I've been reading, but I want to make it simple. I want to go full J.B. Phillips on it. Think of Jesus, the smartest theologian to ever walk the earth, and he points to two sheep, and he said it's like when one of those gets away. And everybody's like, I hate that when that happens. So make your faith simple. Don't you dare make it easy. And it's hard to find people who are a little prickly. It's hard to engage things in our own lives that are hard to do. They feel like they're pinning us down. Remember in high school, you may have read Gulliver's Travels. Remember, Gulliver washes up on the shore and the Lilliputians have them all tied down. Like, these are not cables. They're the size of threads. That brother is one sit up away from some real freedom. What I think we need to do is see what it is that's hanging us up, understand what that is, and then bring it to Jesus. Find communities of people. You've got one right here. You're the church. You're the church. I want us to make these to be safe places where we can just keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and get super real. I don't care what it appears that my faith is. I just want to know what it is and then find a couple safe places and safe people like you to get real about that. Actually, I'm on social media and I'll like put some, uh, you know, some thoughts out every day. And I got a new follower on Twitter. <laughs> Check this out. It says, Jesus is fun. It's actually supposed to be the other way around. I thought, actually, this is guy, he only has 12 followers. I'm like, one of them will betray you. So, <laughs> don't follow the wrong Jesus. Uh, sometimes what we do is we create this version of Jesus that's the wrong version. It ain't him. Uh, and you'll know because he'll start following you around. He is not your Sherpa carrying all your junk around. What he is, is your guide to lead the way. And what we need to do is get real. We need to stop giving people all the answers, right? Jesus, three years of public ministry, he asked 307 questions. He only answered three of them. Is that crazy? If somebody asks you a bunch of questions, say, I've already answered my three for the next three years, right? 307 that he asked, three that he answered. The first one was from a lawyer like me. It said, what's the big commandment? And he said to love God with your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself right here, not across the ocean, across the street. Uh, the second one, they said, will you teach us how to pray? And he said, I will, our father, and you know how that one goes. And the third one in front of Pilate, they said, so I hear you're the king of the Jews. And he said, yes, I am. 
What I want to do is I don't need to have an answer for every question that's out there. I want to have the answer for the right questions. And I just want you to know if you know what love is. And if you know that it involves sacrifice and commitment, then we're there. We, we just help people ask questions. I make a lousy evangelical. I don't think we lead people to Jesus. I think Jesus leads people to Jesus. What we do is we just get out of the way. I think there's something beautiful. I'm walking down the beach in, uh, in Florida, and these two guys are helping their buddy ask the most important question he'll ever ask anybody in his life. Will you marry me? And the reason I snapped the picture is that they couldn't answer the question. They could only help him ask it. What's our role here in Missouri and our faith communities, wherever you're from? Just help people ask the question. You know how you'll do that? By showing them what real love is. And when love has an agenda, it ain't love anymore. It's a program. And we don't need more programs. We need more people that just are keeping their eyes on their paper to say, what has Jesus got for me to do in front of me? And you want to know what to do? Hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, and people in jail. Matthew 25. He's talking to a guy. He said, I'm looking for a plan for my life. I'm like, look no further. Hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people. Uh, any of you been to In-N-Out Burger? Yeah, I, I've been there. I, that's where I met God. I ate a double-double. I'm like, <laughs> there is a God. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll get 50 hamburgers. I'll just drive around San Diego, and I'll just ask somebody, are you hungry? And he's like, I am. I'm like, dude, have a burger. I have like these little water bottles, you know, those little shooters? And I, I'll just say, I ask them, are you thirsty? And they're like, I'm thirsty. I'm like, have some water. I'm like, yes, thirsty people. We've got a nude beach in San Diego. I just sit at the top of the cliff and throw socks over. I'm like, <laughs> naked people. Stop agreeing with Jesus. Go do something about it. And he doesn't need your help. He wants your heart. And you'll know your heart is towards sacrifice and commitment. But what we need to do is stop looking at other people's papers. Uh, what we want to do is just keep our eyes. This is a friend of mine. Matt Edmonds is a, uh, the best shot in the world. Nobody is a better marksman than him. He represented all of us in the Olympics. And he had the gold medal sewn up. He had one last shot to take. He could have hit the white part, the black part. He probably could have shot the ref and still won the gold. And he took a half a breath. He let it out, pulled the trigger, bullseye. And nobody said a word because Matt was aiming at someone else's target. Doesn't happen often in the Olympics. It's called crossfire, but it happens every day at work, every day in our faith communities. And what I want you to do it's like you're not a hall monitor of other people's behaviors. We're not there to just like to give them the hairy eyeball or to like to just kind of like uh, be polite but distant. But man, embrace people. I mean, we're ushers. We're not bouncers. And so I've met some people that have great doctrine and lousy theology. And loving people the way that Jesus did is great doctrine and great theology. So do that. But I get it. It's scary. Like, it's just scary to sometimes do that, to say, how do I do it? I, when I turned 60, I had two things I wanted to do. I wanted to learn how to jump a motorcycle, uh, and I wanted to learn how to pick a lock. <laughs> that was it. I got a KTM uh, 800, and uh, I had a guy teach me. He knew how to jump motorcycles, so I got all the gear, and I went 50 feet, but the bike only went 30. 
<laughs> right over the handlebars. And so that didn't work out that great. But I also learned how to pick a lock. Here's how you pick a lock, life of crime. You get a transparent lock. Uh, you can get this on Amazon. Order it now. You have your phone. Like, <laughs> there's eight pins. That's why your key does this. There's eight pins. You just put a little bobby pin in there, and you flick the eight pins, and they open up. That's easy when you're doing it right in front of you. But if you want to take it up a notch, put it underneath the table, and you need to develop a lock picker's touch. This is what following Jesus is about. Not to manipulate people towards Christ, but to actually pick that lock. And you do it by showing a genuine interest in them. Just be like, I don't know, just take an interest. I'm not telling you what you ought to change. I'm just trying to figure it out. And some of us get really scared, so we just never get there. Uh, go, go with me. Let's do this uh, exercise. Go with me to the Bahamas, and it's awesome, and the water's warm. We're like waist deep. Are you with me? It's clear. Yeah, yeah. And swimming at you is a huge fin. I want you to tell me whether you think that's a shark or you think that's a dolphin. All right, so we're in the water, it's clear and awesome and warm, and swimming at you fast is a huge fin. No abstentions. Who says that's a shark? Come on, raise them high. Yeah. Who says it's a dolphin? Isn't that crazy? Right down the middle. I'm an Enneagram 7, like the flaming enthusiast, right? So even if it was a shark, I'd say dolphin with a lot of teeth. If you've met sweet Maria Goff, she has what's called extreme social anxiety. 35 years, four weeks, two days I've been married to her. We've been gone to dinner two times. One of those was a Taco Bell. I'm not kidding. So she's, I'm like Tigger, and she thinks having me in the room is a lot of people. <laughs> she's like, oh my gosh. So what we need to do is figure out how do we see the world? Do we see it filled with sharks or filled with dolphins? I see it filled with opportunities. For opportunities for me to grow and for me to show love and not words of correction. I'm not pointing bony fingers in people's directions. And you know what it's going to take? Obedience. That's crazy. You think, I think obedience, I go like, oh, not that talk. I just want to be obedient. Read this stuff. If, if you're a follower of Christ, say, what does he say? Even if it seems crazy. Imagine Noah like putting two of everything on on board the ark, you know, he just made out of wood. And then God tells him, put two termites on there. <laughs> like there's something to say, like sometimes obedience goes in the wrong direction from what your intuition tells you or your life experience. I have a friend uh, named Bill who has been battling cancer. He was going to go down and get the diagnosis in Houston at MD Anderson. They were gonna, it wasn't going to be a good one. And so I flew down to be with him so he didn't have to go into the MRI alone and all that. And I was reading in James 5, it said, hey, are you sick? Get the elders. I'm older than dirt. So I just get the elders and have them anoint you with oil. And I don't know where you grew up, but that's not how we roll. Like I just, I don't do that. That is outside my experience. But I thought, you know, what the heck? I thought we'd go to the grocery store. I'll get some Wesson. We'll <laughs> do that. But at MD Amsterdam, there's no grocery stores. But I thought back to 2 Peter, that God has given us everything that we need to lead beautiful, godly lives, obedient lives. And so you know what's across the street from MD Anderson? A Burger King. 
And so I explained that to the guy at the fry machine that God's given us everything and Bill's in there and he's going to anoint him with oil and I'm freaked out too. And the guy got some oil out of the fry machine. Now picture this. I'm walking through the lobby of MD Anderson <laughs> holding my own urine sample. I don't know how you're signing that, but that's awesome. Like, but... <laughs> And I found, I found Bill. And I didn't know, do I put the cross, a happy face? Like, but he went into the MRI feeling surrounded with love. That's what obedience will do. And so my question to you, not with a pointing a bony finger in your direction, but who is it that you've been texting that you're not married to? I'm not trying to be like the bummer man, but who is it that you've like are, are not in a relationship with, but there's something that's developed? What is it that you're looking at that you shouldn't be looking at? What's the thing that's captivated you in envy or jealousy or whatever it is? I'm not trying to be bummer man. I just want to, if we can't be real here, we can't be real. So what if we take the worst thing that you've done, the biggest screw-up you don't want anybody to know about and realize that on your very worst day, you know what Jesus calls you? He calls you beloved. And if you're not hearing the word beloved spoken over your big secret right now, it ain't Jesus talking. This idea of sacrifice and commitment, I mean, it wasn't convenient for Jesus to give his life on a cross wasn't convenient for God to send a son. But, but that idea, he's that committed to you. And what, what I want to do is be obedient to some of these things. And don't have a Bible study about whatever it is that you're thinking about. Just knock it off. And there's something beautiful and freeing about that. Why? Because. I'm <laughs> just not doing that. That's old Bob. I've been uh, following what you guys were following five or six years ago in Afghanistan. And uh, these little girls, the Taliban won't let them read or write because they're girls. And that just chaps me because that's the best half we got. Um, a whole generation, again, lost. But I didn't know anybody in Afghanistan. Do you? Yeah. So I got on WhatsApp. I met this guy. He said he's from Afghanistan. I'm like, awesome, I'm looking. Uh, but I don't know what team he's playing for. And you cannot be talking to the wrong team. So I'm trying to like kind of get it out of him. I'm like, so how do you spend your day? <laughs> <laughs> when I say the word enemy, who pops to mind? <laughs> Crickets. So, so, so five years ago, I decided to fly to Kabul, Afghanistan to meet the guy. <laughs> what a stupid idea. I get off the plane. I get a text message from this guy. He said, Bob, I can't meet you at the airport. <laughs> shoot. Actually, let me keep it real. I don't think I said shoot. So <laughs> take a baby steps. Um, he said, what you need to do is leave the airport and start walking through Kabul alone. You're going to come to a car. The engine will be running. The last number on the license plate is seven. Get in the car. Now, how many of you sharks out there are like, I'm out of here. How about you dolphins? What could possibly go wrong? Right? So I just started walking. I, just, I found a car, the engine's running. I get in the back. This guy doesn't speak English and I don't speak him. And I get a phone call from this guy. It turns out the guy I'm talking to, his office is 20 feet from the president of Afghanistan. What he wanted to know, if I would trust him enough to do what he told me to do, then he trusts me enough to go build a girl's school with me, you guys, and we did. 
We painted it to look like a cupcake. <laughs> and then the girls started coming. Hundreds and hundreds of little Afghan girls. They are sitting in their chairs today. That because we dealt with the people that are now in leadership with kindness and respect. What we did is we didn't tell them, wave a bony finger, I, I, nor do I want to make a headline. I want to make a difference. And if we're followers of Christ, we understand what sacrifice and commitment is because we understand what love is, then we'll do stuff. But don't go across an ocean to do it. Go across the street. Don't you talk about going to the ends of the earth if you haven't gone to the end of your street. Like right here. Do some, make them a pie. I want it if they don't. Like figure out what you want and then do something about it. That's what Jesus asked the blind guy when he met him. He's like, he's like, I'm blind, I'm blind. He said, what do you want? <laughs> he's like, duh. Like, I don't think Jesus is confused, but in a moment of clarity, like, what do you want? Uh, we've got a school for uh, young girls in Mogadishu, Somalia, which is just another crazy place. It's kind of like, it looks like a level of call of duty when you drive through. I'm like, I've been here, hang a left. Um, there was this young man that wanted to uh, come with me and film. And I'm like, oh, dude, no. You think the thing about uh, Tyler is he had dreadlocks. And they're just beautiful and gorgeous and nasty. And, and they're down to his waist. I'm like, buddy, if you get off the plane looking like that, they're going to shoot you in the face. And then they're going to shoot me in the face because I'm standing next to you. Do you know what Tyler did? He cut off his dreads. He knew what he wanted, and he was willing to do what it takes to get what he wants. You want to see more Jesus? Get more obedient. Are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to part with some of the stuff that's been distracting you along the way? It ain't, it ain't a soapy smelling something from the car wash. It's something. It's a career. It's something else. Some of you are in jobs that you've outgrown. Just quit. Like, quit. Literally, but let's get your boss on the phone. We can just do it. Every job I've ever gotten on my first day, I address my resignation letter to my boss. I put a stamp on it. I give it to sweet Maria. And I said, if this job gets in the way of me or Jesus, you mail that thing in. You don't need to tell me. I'll find out. <laughs> Are you willing to do what it takes to get what you want? Uh, Tyler did this Viking burial. He put all of his dreads on this thing, lit them on fire. They're probably still burning. Like, <laughs> what, I, what God wants us to do is not just to go through the motions of that, and you know that, but to just obey and ask other people what they want. And so I don't really want to make it all about what I want, but to just say, what do you want? Uh, if we find the, the kids, the, the ones in your neighborhood, ask them, what do you want? Uh, th this is a young man that came to uh, our school in Uganda. Uh, and what he wanted to do is be an artist. Uh, but all he had was this box of books, a bed sheet, and a spear. Um, he, he had no parents. He had no family. He had no nothing. But he knew what he wanted. And he was willing to use what he already had to get what he wanted. So what he did, he didn't have a, a palette to mix all the colors. He used his hands to do this. And you know, he made me a painting with the one bed sheet he had, and I had it printed up here. This is what he made with a sheet, a spear, and a bed sheet. 
You guys, use what you've already got to get what you want. Do what it takes to get what you want. And what it takes, it's just a little obedience sometimes. And you're going to have setbacks. We, we built that the place up at the end of the inlet. We built this beautiful lodge. We bring good guys, bad guys, and undecided up there. There's no roads. There's no, it's a safe place. And we've signed 32 peace agreements up there with people from all the countries that are in these disputes. Well, after 20 years of building this thing, I hired 10 guys to go up there for two weeks to do, like, put stain on this thing. They were there for one day. They stacked all the oily rags together. They spontaneously combusted, and it burnt to the ground. Man, it was just erased. And it may not have been your house that burned down. It was a dream. It was a relationship. It was somebody you cared about. And it was all gone. And sweet Marie and I just stood at the edge of this thing. And I was sad, but she was filleted. She's just so tenderhearted. And she gave me permission to share this with you. We went to a counselor. And the counselor asked, what was the hardest part about the lodge burning down? And she said, it was the only place on earth I felt safe. And we weren't talking about a place anymore. We were talking about a person that did something horrific to her five years before I even knew her. I've been married to that woman for 35 years, and she's been carrying that this whole time. And I told Maria, man, if, if having the lodge burned down would have freed you up to talk about some of these things, I would have lit the match myself. God will burn down whatever it takes to get to the authentic version of us. And so if he's doing that, be obedient. It's not like, say, rejoice in it, because there was no rejoicing going on. But what there was is a lot of revelation of just like, here are the wounds. These are the things that go on. Uh, to get to this place, the way in and out is by seaplane, and Maria won't fly with me. I mean, would you? Uh, but on, on like a, a dog on up, like, squirrel. <laughs> so... Every year on our anniversary, we take one flight together. We'll fly to a lake and have a soda pop and say, let's do this again. And we flew to this lake and we got back to the dock and she got out of the plane. She left this note behind. It said, meet me at the cabin. I'm like, yes. And so I'm running to the cabin. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And what she'd done is she saved her wedding dress for 30 years, and she's still fitted, and we duct tape me into this tuxedo, and <laughs> God wants to invite you back to him. If you feel like you're far away, boy, draw close. He just wants you, not with a scorn, but just this invitation. I'm going to close with this. We have something in Canada you don't have a lot of here, and they're sea otters. They're everywhere. They are like Priuses. They're just everywhere, uh, and the thing about sea otters is this. They all hold hands. And you know why? They don't want anybody to drift away. You guys, that's the message of Christ. That's this church and what you do in the community. Everybody stand up. Grab a shoulder or a hand or whatever's not creepy. You'll know. <laughs> Come on, I'm taking this chair. I'm going to stand right here. Here we are. We're the family of God. <laughs> These are my controls. <laughs> but we're the family of God. Let's act like it, right? There's going to be people that'll hit us wrong. But let's act like the family. Let's pray, could we? Jesus, we acknowledge your authority over us. You've been with us this morning. Be with us today. 
uh, give us the guts and the grit not to just agree with you, but to be obedient to what you're asking us to do. In your strong name, amen. Thanks, you guys. Then thanks, Bob, for coming. What I love about Bob is that he is so enthusiastic for Jesus, and I hope some of that spread on you today. On your seat back, you'll see a QR code. We had an hour conversation with Bob that we recorded last night. If you'd like to uh, watch that, be a part of that, continue this conversation, hear some more stories, just scan this, your seat back or the screen. There's a QR code there as well. Start Daniel next week. We'd love to have you back. Let's close with a blessing. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you follow his son, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us today. Have a great Sunday.